the 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Football frenzy time. JVT's here. John Von Tobel from VSIN, 1 o'clock show, Monday to Friday. Hardwood Handicappers. When is it? Uh, Sundays from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. There you go. You fired up already? You thinking about it? Yeah. Got your, got your guest booked? Start planning it out. Yeah, I was going to say, I start reaching out to guests over the last couple of days, trying to get it booked up. We, we, you, we might have two game sevens on that day, too, so that's going to be a cool part. So no time to handicap the Lakers coaching search? Uh, no time to care. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to make the decision? Who knows? Like, we goes back to, I, I thought it was funny, so the other day, Pl- Bill Plaschke of the LA Times yeah. writes this article, yep. and it's like all about like genie bus and the way they're handling things. And then if you actually read it, she says nothing. No. And she says, actually, that she's just going to run the organization the exact same way that she's been doing it. Yeah, that there's no changes. Right. And it's status quo in terms of decision makers. Like, Rob Palenka really doesn't have much power. Uh, she denied the fact that Clutch is running the organization, which right. I don't think they are. And then LeBron this- clearly has say. Right. And then it's the same old people. She she dated and was engaged to Phil Jackson. Like, I mean, unless it was a bad breakup, like they're going to talk to each other. So she still <laughs> leans on Phil. You know she still leans on the Rambi. Yep. And she's been friends. You know, watch Winning Time, right? She's been friends with Magic Johnson since she was a – they were both young tykes. She still leans on him. He, he screwed them over when he was an executive. The, he is a meme, literally shaking his head and laughing at them, saying, I'm not going to be here, laughing at them. And he still gets say in the decisions that they make. Uh, update on Raiders at linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski took a visit to the Raiders, but uh, ultimately decided uh, decided to sign with the Falcons. Mm. So that's uh, one of the big offseason projects from here is coming up with a you know real good linebacker mix. Yeah, he's not. I, I mean, I think linebacker seems to be the biggest position of weakness for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it probably would have been a win. Uh, if that would have been the case, but looks like you're going to go into the offseason with that being one of the biggest question marks in your roster when the season starts. So it's pretty clear, uh, and you'd expect it, Dave Ziegler, the GM, and Josh McDaniels really don't have loyalty to anyone on the team. They, they're not the ones who drafted them, right? So a lot of the stars are coming back, but you know they looked at a guy like Unique Ngakwe, and they're like, we can upgrade. So now you have them on the Colts. And they get Rakyasin, which they need. They need more cornerbacks. So, you know, that that move might have shocked people. You saw Alec Ingold, you know, fan favorite. Mm -hmm. Eh, Fullback. I mean, they still have a fullback or two on the roster, but we may not use a fullback. We're not John Gruden. And as far as guys who were drafted, they're going to stick with Alex Leatherwood because I think you have to give him a second year. But a lot of the other guys that Mayock and Gruden drafted, they're like, no, man, Cleef Earl's going to get cut, you know, here coming up. And they're moving. And they moved Brian Edwards today, which, listen, seems like a nice guy. It just, you know, he hasn't blossomed into what he's supposed to. He certainly had a chance last year. He's had some injury issues. And, you know, the COVID year sucks when you're a young player. But they're moving on. Are you surprised? Not really. I mean, you, you, you're when you're talking about, like, payment, it's not really that much. But he's worth, you know, he's owed, like, what, like 1.7 or something like that in that range. Makes sense. You're also getting you're shipping off a seventh round pick, but you're getting back a fifth round pick. So you move up a little bit in that regard when it comes to draft. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. And if you just look overall with their wide receiver depth chart, well, Keelan Cole came over. So that's something where you're looking at it and going, 
you know, if we're talking like third, fourth wide receiver, let's just go with a cheaper option and we can get a better draft pick out of this. Why not ship them off? And now, as it turns out, the 2020 draft, oof. That didn't work out. How about this on a resume? And again, I like I like Mike Mayock. I think he's a great media guy. He was always good to us. You know, he's pretty open about things. I thought he was way too open after Arnett had to go bye-bye when he admitted. He's like, oh, well, you know, we knew we had some character issues. Like, what? You overdrafted him and you knew that he had character issues? Which also, by the way, can I just point out to that, the flaw in that being that after their first draft, their whole thing because of reaching on guys was, we're getting character guys. Like, that was like their whole mantra the first two seasons. Yep. You ready for this 2020 draft? Yeah. I was trying to find a grade. I want to see if someone gave him like an outstanding grade. But, a plus. Um, 12th pick overall, Henry Ruggs. 19th pick overall, Damon Arnett. No second round pick. Third, remember back-to-back picks. And Mike Mayock was like, you know, with those kind of picks, you got to get some starters. We're excited to have those two third round picks. Even the fourth round picks. Uh, 80th pick overall, Lynn Bowden. Never even made it to camp. 81st, Brian Edwards just got traded. 100th pick, Tanner Muse. Never played. Let's say who? From Clemson. Another Clemson pick in Johnny Simpson, who we'll see if he, what happens with him. It just, he, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't blossomed into a potential starting guard yet. So that's not a real resume builder, six picks. No, I also think in, this is the obvious thing to point at, which is, who had final say in a lot of these? Where did they want to go? What were the conversations? I, I want to know. I, I actually, you know, Mike Mayock, Mayock. Mike Mayock, and I'll, I'll give him this because uh, I didn't like the fact that he kind of described Mark Davis as you know being kind of crazy. Like, look where we are. We went ten and seven. All the problems we overcame. Like, like you brought the problems into the organization, but he's never gone out and said, you know what? It wasn't me. I don't want these guys. Gruden made me. I think that's probably a little far fetched that he was made, you know, like he had no say, but I think Gruden had final say. Right. If it Does he ever down, do that? Does he ever just get, you know, this is bull crap. I'm getting blamed and rolled in. It was Gruden. Well, and it could be that they shared the same line of thinking, which is why. But ultimately, in that relationship, if it came down to one player or the other, and one guy was in one camp and the other was on the other side, who do you think made the ultimate final pick? We know who. Right. Yeah, so uh, Edwards, Brian Edwards, big wide receiver, 2020 draft. Traded with a seventh next year for a fifth this coming year. So he fetched a third-round pick, receiver fetched a fifth-round pick. So there you go. He took advantage of a a decent season for him. And going to the Falcons, we'll see who's going to be throwing the ball, you know, the whole season, because I don't know if Marriott is going to make it through it. Falcons need receivers because the Ridley situation did not help them at all. No, it didn't. But they're also a team that they need wide receivers, but they're also one of those where I don't think, at least, I think every team enters a season thinking that they're better than they really are. I think it's more about finding out what you have on your roster. So you go and you acquire a guy like this and think that maybe with some development after a really good year, and maybe he can be a guy that's going to be a regular contributor for us as we move forward. More scheduling notes. How many primetime games do the Broncos have at the beginning of the season? Four in the first six weeks. All right. Let's, I guess, let's bleed the Russell story dry until we find out that they're, you know, not much better than they were the last couple of years, including the first one, which is the Seahawks. 
on Monday night. That's kind of brutal. Isn't it? For who? For Seattle? For America. Oh, well, yeah. Do we want to see Seattle? Yay! Here's Geno Smith, who beat out Drew Locke. What are you about? It's a close game. They're only four-point underdogs at home. It's going to be a tight affair. Do you think the Seahawks are going to be good this year? No. I mean, the stadium and the travel up there, you know, is a bit of an equalizer, but... Is it? It's 2022. We have these all the time. Like, man, it's a tough place to get to. Not when you're taking <laughs> luxury flights up there. It's not that bad. And Denver's not exactly across the country <laughs> right. from Seattle. Oops. I'm not well-traveled. What is that, like two-hour, three-hour flight? I don't know. Every flight I see there seems to be like two hours longer than I thought it was. Yeah. I guess you got to come up for a mile. What are the other primetime games you have? Uh, all of the primetime games? No, it's the Broncos. Oh, the Broncos? Here, I'll tell you right now in a second. He didn't have them in front of him. No, I didn't. That's I didn't. all right. <laughs> there you go. I have to look up music for you. Call it back. All right, you ready for this? Uh, so you open the season, Monday Night Football, you get uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Then your next primetime matchup will be against the San Francisco 49ers on a Sunday night. Okay, division game. Yep. Uh, By the well, San Francisco way, 49ers, it's not, it's not a division game. I was thinking Seattle, yeah, sorry. Yeah, come on. yeah, there you go. I screwed I that up. up with it. Uh, and then you get the Indianapolis Colts on October 6th. That's terrible. In a primetime affair. And then you get a divisional matchup on primetime on the road against the Chargers. And if I'm correct, no no Raiders Chargers and no Raiders Broncos in primetime. All four matchups are not in primetime. I think the league screwed up. With Vegas? Yep. I, well, I don't get it. Especially when that first year, I mean, obviously it was, you know, empty. But there was a lot of primetime spots, and this is it. There were quite a few wild primetime games out here last season. The Chargers-Raiders game at the end of the year, that, that was the best game of the season. I think it's a really big missed opportunity because this could have been a fantastic venue. We saw what it could have been when fans were finally there. Coming up next, we break down the schedule, especially for the Raiders, with former Oakland Raiders, Stanford Route. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Route on Cofield and Company. Friday, NFL insider time. That means Stanford Route, the former Oakland Raider, is up with Cofield and Company. So yesterday, really all week, Stanford, we made such a big deal of the schedule release. And like for radio guys, I think it's changed. What do you think of the hype this week about this simply the schedule release in the National Football League? It's nuts, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the NFL does a good job of building up the, you know, the drama, the mystique, the anticipation of the schedule release. And all it is is just simply like just the the <laughs> elongated version of everything they've been trickling out, whether it's social media or on TV, things like that over the past couple of weeks with, you know, certain matchups on certain days, things like that. But that's why the NFL is king, because they can always find a way to build up the drama. And all you're simply doing is being at the edge of your seat just to know the order at which your team is playing their right. opponents for the coming season because you already know back in, I want to say February or March, who the opponents are going to be. Right. Now it's just going to be how it's all configured. That's do, you, all. do you remember as a player thinking, hey, you know, or being all excited for the day and going, hey, I need that schedule or did it just kind of trickle to you eventually? 
Well, no, as a player, you really don't care. I think yeah. that uh, going back, um, <laughs> you know, back to my days for the Oakland Raiders. Now, obviously, we wanted to play at Denver in September and October, rather than November and December, because, you know, you don't want to deal with the snow or anything like that, and especially with Kansas City as well. But anything other than just simply being able to play at Kansas City or Denver in the earlier part of the year. Other than that, you know, maybe want to play Green Bay at the same time, not in November, December, or January, trying to avoid the cold weather games. But for the most part, that's really all it comes down to, just because you got 16 games, well, at least was for us back then, now it's 17, and you got six divisional opponents with six games or three divisional opponents that you're going to be playing against. So, no matter what, you're going to be playing these games. It's just a matter of when. That's all. I like the way the uh, schedule lays out. It, it opens with three tough games at Chargers, home Cardinals, yes. but no DeAndre Hopkins, and at Tennessee. So, what do you think we have to be? Uh, what do you think about the beginning of the season? Oh no, the beginning of the season for the for the Las Vegas Raiders is definitely murderer's row. And like I said, uh, I was just telling people did this just last night. You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but you could very well see the Raiders come out of the gate in like one in four or possibly 0-5 just because that is gonna be how stringent the talent is. Uh, starting off the first month of the season, you like you just said, Chargers, the Cardinals, the Titans, the Broncos, the Chiefs, they could very well go and stub their toe. I don't think they will. I see them probably going maybe three and two, possibly maybe a four and one. Maybe I'm being too much of a homer in those first five games, but I think that right there is going to set the that's going to set the stage for how you see this season play out. Yeah, that's the fun part of it. If they can actually uh, pull the uh, upset on the road against Tennessee or the Chargers, and right now the line against the Chargers is uh, four. They're getting four points. Yeah. But if they come out of the gate, they have to beat the Cardinals. Um, they get out of the gates two and one. you got to beat the Broncos at home. At the Chiefs is tough. But then you get a soft part of the schedule where you get Texans home, at Saints, at Jaguars. Like those are You have to win those games. Yeah, those are like you have to win those games. Just- like I said, I don't see the Raiders. I would hope, I would love if they did, but I would, I would, but I don't see the Raiders going five and zero to start off the year. So yeah, the Texans, the Saints, going to be without Drew Brees and now without Sean Payton. They're going to have Jameis Winston uh, back in the fold, and with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are going to have a new head coach. You got Trevor Lawrence coming in his second year. Obviously, they went ahead and signed Christian Kirk to go ahead and try to help him out in the past game, and then the Colts. That, those are games that you have to go ahead and win because once you get to the Colts, obviously having a Matt Ryan at the quarterback position now, you still got that good offensive line. Now you go ahead and you add Stephon Gilmore to that secondary over there for that Colts defense along with Darius Leonard, the all-pro Mike Linebacker. Hmm. That's why you have to win those games between the Jaguars, the Saints, and the Texans just to go ahead and try to pad yourself with a few Ws. Stanford route up on Cofield and company, the former Oakland Raider joins us every Friday. Um, two things I did like about the schedule, getting the Seahawks after Week 10 and the Steelers late. It's on Christmas Eve, so it'll be a fired-up crowd there. And by the way, it's the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. That's a nightmare uh, for Raiders oh, fans. Yes. But, but I like getting the Steelers and the Seahawks later in the season because I have no idea who's going to be playing quarterback at that point. <laughs> depending, I mean, really... It could, the, yeah. the Seahawks could be down to the third or fourth. Their first two guys could be so bad that they are pulled. Who knows who's going to be playing for them? And I don't know if you know it's going to be Trubisky. I don't think he'll be the quarterback at that point. And is Kenny Pickett any good? 
Yeah, you know, I think that uh, uh, to your point, playing at Seattle, no matter who the quarterback's going to be, they're still going to play tough up there in that Pacific Northwest. And then there's no telling what the weather could be like. It's going to be right around that Thanksgiving time on November 27th. So, you know, uh, anytime you play those away games, anytime you're playing against those teams that have the perennially type of defense with the Steelers, even though they don't have the quarterback line, they don't have the quarterback situation position settle there's still going to be some tough games so like i said you definitely want to go ahead and make sure that you can win those because after then you got that murderer's rope with the rams the patriots the 49ers and the chiefs to go ahead and end, and end the season so you definitely want to make sure that you are able to make sure that you take care of the teams that you were supposed to take care of this year, especially for these Raiders in this AFC West that is loaded. Let's talk about the next two months or so, and especially you know, after June, after uh, cuts come down. You could get some big names out there. It looks like James Bradbury is going to be cut cornerback from the Giants. I've heard mixed reviews on him. You know, We talked to a former Giant executive, and he was like, eh, he's kind of lost some, some speed. He's probably more a two, maybe even a three. Yet Raider Nation on the blogosphere and Twitter is going crazy for Bradbury. I just... I wonder what the approach is going to be if they're going to drop, you know, seven or eight or nine or 10 mil on another player at any position like James Bradbury, or if they just kind of, you know, piece this whole thing together with this new management team. Uh, I, I, I was I was on the mindset, or should I say I was on the bandwagon even back in a free agency for going after a Stephon Gilmore or simply going after a J.C. Jackson. Obviously, right. they didn't wow. get those guys. And I think that the Raiders, especially with losing Casey Hayward, you got to add a DB. You got to add another cornerback there. Obviously, they went, they traded for Rocky Asin. I understand that, but I still think you got to get some more talent in that back end if you want to go ahead and be a more complete team. Yes, you added Chandler Jones. You, obviously, you got a Devontae Adams, but I think that the Raiders have to get a little bit more stout across the board and not just simply having these studs at the pass, at the receiver position or the pass, rush, pass rusher position and get a little bit more stout across the board. Linebackers, so, uh, interesting. Yeah, I was going to say linebackers, interesting too, because uh, Denzel Perriman should be a starter. And then from there, it's kind of an open competition. They don't have any real big names on the roster. Does linebacker, though, matter as much as it used to if you're going to be playing, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, five men uh, at defensive back or you're going to use a lot of, you're going to use smaller guys at linebacker, safety, big safeties at linebacker? Does the traditional linebacker matter as much as it did? It may not matter as much as it did, but now I think that you got to have a linebacker who, who's able to cover and able to move in space. That's where you see the Darius Leonard's of the world. You see the Warners of the world for the uh, for the 49ers. Those types of guys who obviously they can stop the run, but they're also fluid enough to go in now and maybe being able to cover a back out of the backfield, being able to cover a tight end, simply being able to get in their drop lanes and read that quarterback's eyes and be able to make a play on the ball and having those ball skills. So I still think linebacker is a very valuable position in the NFL. Obviously, it's not as highly touted as pass rusher or cornerback right now, but definitely you got a good linebacker. That is going to make your defense exponentially better. Stanford Routes with us, the former Raider. So back in your day, and it wasn't that long ago, um, <laughs> did, were you around a situation where someone came into the league or from another team and they're like, bruh, I want that number? And then there was you know, some kind of payment for a number. Are you ever around a situation like that? 
Oh, yeah, I've been around it a couple of times. You yeah. know, guys will come into the league and they want to have the same jersey number that they had, they had in college. Or right. guys come from another team and they want to have the same jersey number that they had with that previous team. And then usually they'll go ahead, you'll get with the guy who already has that number. You'll go ahead, converse with him. Maybe he'll go ahead and, and, and let it go for a certain, you know, undisclosed <laughs> dollar amount, something like that. But, you know, uh, most of the time, I can tell you like this, that is actually kind of handled by the GM or the equipment manager. Oh, really? so, if you have, so if you have a guy who comes in as a big-time free agent ticket, something like that, and the jersey number on the team is currently owned by somebody who's not as high on the totem pole as him, well, then all of a sudden, you'll just simply come to your locker one day and see a different jersey number in your <laughs> they locker. Just, and then all of a sudden, you look, over, you look over, and the guy that just signed for like six years, $80 million, <laughs> has your number, and pretty much, hey, that's it. You know, um, if it's a situation where you have two guys, one guy who's already currently on the team, and he's already of a certain stature, on the team or you know he's got some solid some solid footing something like that yeah. well now this incoming person who he may be highly touted as well that's where you'll see a little bit more of an agreement being made sure. but if it's like an undrafted rookie you if got it's no somebody shot. who's a backup a special <laughs> team or something like that yeah. and a big time player comes in yeah you already know they're going to go ahead and uh and take care of that no matter what it, it's not going to matter what you say new number bro and the reason i ask is because uh we had a developing situation with Kayvon Thibodeau the Giants uh, first round pick who wants the number five Graham Gano the kicker had number five. Uh, word was getting out that, uh, you know, Gano, you might have to pay off the kicker. And I remember last week on the show, we were like, okay, I don't know if a kicker can demand money. Now, here's what's happened. I think Graham Gano just ruined the cash for number market because <laughs> it's actually really cool. Uh, Thibodeau and Gano agreed $50,000, right, for the number, but the 50K is going to a charity. So I think that's going to set the standard now. Like now, no one, no one can really accept money for their number anymore because they're going to look back oh. and go, "Bro, give it to charity! Come on!" You will, you will still see players go ahead and accept that <laughs> yeah, money yeah. and put it in their back pocket of their bank account, no matter what. I'll give like, half, they the, may not, half the charity. They may, they, they may not let it be publicized. They may not go and tell the media things like that. Yeah. But you will still see guys take that money, put it in their in their back pocket, no doubt about it. Let's finish up talking big money, and I'll tell you, I don't want to ruin your response, but I'll tell you, I've been. Uh, disappointed by the number of especially broadcasters um, and some websites suggesting that you know Tom Brady doesn't deserve this giant contract you know 10 years and whatever it's worth 25 <laughs> to 40 million dollars like uh, I don't know man especially if it's it's other former football players who come out like I would I would love if Troy Aikman's like I'm only getting 18 million and he's getting 35 and I've got it going like Troy bad look bro so what do you think of the money in TV that allows Fox to give Tom Brady maybe $37 million a year. Well, I think that uh, it just goes to show that in this world, it's all about leverage. And when you go and you look at how with the, with, uh, with, uh, with, Troy Aikman and with Joe Buck leaving Fox to go to ESPN. You look at Kirk Herbstreit going to Amazon Prime. He's still going to be doing, obviously, uh, ESPN college football as well. You look at how Tony Romo and Jim Nance are both on the, the number one game of the week for CBS. So right now, Fox had a, a huge gaping gap or a gaping hole at their number one game of the week 
Tom Brady, the undisputed best player to ever play the game, and he plays the quarterback position that is highly touted within this commentating, within the color analyst type of atmosphere, type of uh, genre within all of uh, within all of sports. So that right there is a perfect fit. And now, if I'm Tom Brady, okay, I'm not sure when I'm going to be done playing. I know it's going to be in the next couple of years, but I'm not sure when. Okay, you need to make this number more bet. Just you need to make it. Something that I just cannot refuse because otherwise I can just go home with right. Giselle and the kids. Yeah. You need to you need to go ahead and Im- improve to me why I should be in mm-hmm. that chair. So yeah, I mean, obviously for Tom Brady, we know that he doesn't have any experience because we know what he's been doing for the past two decades, and that's right. winning Super Bowls. But yeah, I think that uh it just goes to show timing leverage obviously his name his cachet and we know that he knows the game like the back of his hand i think it's just going to be a matter of him getting the reps and getting his feet wet and then simply getting in the flow of things and i think that uh, i think he'll be fine i think he'll be just as good as as uh, troy eggman or tony romo or all those guys Jeez, uh with giselle's money brady at some <laughs> point brady at some point is he's probably going to be the first billionaire nfl player like family i mean they, they yeah. have they have a ton of money and you're right he has so many options that you basically had to buy him from his other options. So I think it's cool. Yeah, no I, I actually think he's going to be really good at it. Um, I think he's a smart guy, and I think he he controls what personality we get to see. So yeah, I think I think he's going to be good. At, I think he's definitely going to have a little bit of growing pains early on. Yeah, yeah. Because I've like I said, I've been doing that for a couple of years, and when you first start out, the timing, making sure that you know everybody's name, things like that, that's yeah. what you have to get used to. But I think once he finally gets the timing down, as far as like his credibility, as far as his knowledge, his IQ, the aptitude, all of that is there. He just has to go ahead and be able to form it within those ten to. 12 seconds that you have before the next play and before the play-by-play guy can go ahead and tee everything up. But I think he's going to be great once he gets his feet wet. Stanford, you're awesome, man. Have a good weekend. And by the way, uh, mom's birthday? Yes, mom's birthday is today. She is a 71 years young. Okay. All right. Well, have a good time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys, man. I'll be talking to you next week. Y'all be safe. Stanford route, NFL insider on Fridays, the former Oakland Raider. Giveaway time. Ticket window is open. 364-1100, 364-1100, 364-1100, Caller 7, the Doobie Brothers are in town. Two-week run starts tonight through the 28th, 8 o'clock show. We've got two tickets for the show on the 25th of May, Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood, 364-1100, 364-1100. You can grab your tickets for the Doobie Brothers the 13th through the 28th at Ticketmaster.com. Call in right now, two tickets, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I'm going to live till I die. I'm going to laugh instead of cry. Fat Pack on a Friday. John Von Tobel, Cofield. Good job there by Stanford Route. Talking about the schedule. Let's get into it. John's been waiting all week. So he sent over some notes early in the week. Yeah. It was a big week for you. Two things introduced to your life. One were flushable butt wipes. Yes. Do we need to do more on that? No, it's just been a game changer. A lot of comfort. I actually had a follow-up that I didn't ask you on Tuesday. How did you just discover them when you've got two young children? I would figure with Diego at some point along the way, because how old is he now? Uh, three. He's going to be okay, four. That, like three months. years ago, you were like, mm-hmm. these things work pretty well on the kid. Let me... Well, Let me try one of these. But those are baby wipes. You can't flush those. Okay. Yeah. But it's the same concept. It would clog up the toilet. It's not, well, it's, it's very you're, different. You're worried about your complexes uh, 
Septic issue? I Screw mean, it. Flush I, them. I would deal with it. <laughs> That's my toilet. So, yeah, I'm a little worried about it. Uh, no, it's a different, yeah, it's a different thing. And I also just, I don't know, didn't think it was socially acceptable after a certain age to use oh, get out of wet here. wipes. Wh- whose business is it? What are you going to get shamed? Hey, just feel for wanting your rear end to be comfortable? You just feel the shame when you're out about. Hygienic? Yeah, you, how, do you, how would anyone know? Look like at all these adults. They don't do what you do. You're judging a you child. Are you judging them? Oh, you're yeah. judging yourself amongst your peers. Never had that problem. You're too sensitive. Yeah. Hmm. Never mind. I was going to uh, Don't get too smutty. No, no, it was just another bathroom topic. That so I was in the bathroom today, and it really annoyed me. It was a wall of urinals, and the guy picked the one like right next to me. And it's just kind of you know, we know the rules here. It was kind of weird. That's all. Give me some privacy, right? Although I will say the the urinals at the place where I was, um, there were very deep walls in between, hmm. so you know it was fine. No risk of splashage or anything. There's been places where the wall is like three inches. Sure. You might as well just not build the wall thing. What's the point? Have you been to an old school bathroom recently with a urinal that extends all the way to the ground? Because that used to be the style. That was my old school. St. Viter, down on Flamingo and Eastern. I mean, you think about it. Little divots for your feet to stand in there. That's ridiculous. The splashage on your feet. Your shoes are destroyed. And And your pants. Back in the day when I had to wear penny loafers to school. Yeah. Like if they blacklighted your penny loafers as a kid. Right. Disgusting. You think you ever wiped down those shoes? No, of course not. Warm around God, we animals. Yeah. Never put a penny in. But now we're advanced. Flushable wipes and big walls between us at the urinals. Everything's changed for the better. And power, and power flushers. We're evolving. With the toilets in uh, places that will spend the extra buck, which is important. Those are crazy. It, they're scary. Right? Then you say Diego <laughs> got all scared? Oh, yeah. You freaked kid? out by it, yeah. <laughs> like, his arms down yeah. there. Like, all right, you'll be okay. I saw his hair is like... <laughs> You know what I mean? It sucked in a little bit in that direction. All right, let's get more appetizing. I've talked many times about having way too many kitchen gadgets and appliances. Like, there's just no counter space for it, so a lot of them are just stored down in the garage. Yeah, my hot dog steamer would be one of the extra ones. I forgot. It's a luxury. The slicer does have a permanent spot though uh, on the counter. So I try to slice something about every three days. Get some cheese. Slice it up. Let's go. Will you use it like instead of a knife? If you oh, just want like one slice, but you got to get your money's worth, so you just use the deli uh, slicer for something extremely simple. No, but if I have a small block of cheese, which I could easily use a cheese slicer for, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a strain. Just get the slicer and do it. But then you wind up slicing the whole thing. Takes up a little more storage space. Then I got to eat it. Yeah, that, that too. I got to eat this in three days. Riveting radio here. Um, I have a Keurig. Okay. God, I came across someone the other day, and they were like, what is that? What? Like, really? The, the one cup? Really? You don't no knowledge of it at all? So I got one of those, and then I've got a traditional coffee maker. You are going next level with your coffee, and you also come from the coffee world. Uh, you're still known in many circles more for being a barista than a sports hot host. When true. I talk to people, they're like, is he still doing it? I thought he went back to barista. Very true. Like, he was good at radio, but whew, you should have seen him at the coffee house. <laughs> Blazing away. <laughs> Nick Cage really loved my raspberry cappuccino I made him one time. Is that right? Oh, yeah. You see Nick Cage the other day, uh, what was it, last month, on Kimmel was blaming Elon Musk for the water shortage here. He said uh, Elon Musk is part of the draining of Lake Mead. Makes sense. Just threw it out as a quick line. (laughs) Jimmy Kimmel's like, okay, you're crazy. So, 
What went into making that drink? Like how how advanced? Are you talking? About? How I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know any of the artistry of this. I don't buy it's, that kind of. It's a shot of espresso. It is steamed milk until you know it's mostly foam cappuccino, and it's depending on the size, I a pump or two that. of raspberry. You can never do that. That's no, easy. It's literally. It's all. I've said this before. It is all the same measurements. It's just the different sauces. So how much coffee do you drink at home, and are you a bean guy? Uh, I don't drink that. Like I'll have like a cup or two in the morning. Um, I don't know what a bean guy is. I mean, you have to have coffee grounds. Is well, that what just, the question yeah, is? It's ground up for most, yeah, I most buy, normies like myself, the professionals. I'm not sitting there with oh, like, freaking me if beans. I ground, like grind my yeah, own you're coffee. Grinding your own coffee? No, I do not grind my own coffee. Okay, I buy coarse ground mm-hmm. coffee. Coarse, coarse. Got to do coarse. Why? Well, because I have a French press now, Steve. And a French press. What, what is that? You know what a French press? I is. actually have no idea, and I refuse to look it up. I wanted to find out organically and make wonderful radio. It's actually it's really good. So it's it's how it's another way to make coffee. It's literally just like a glass. We'll call it a pitcher. Uh, in which you put your coffee grounds in, boil water, put it in there, allow it all to steep together, and it has a plunger on the top. Hmm. So then you you plunge it down, and it pushes all the coffee grounds down to the bottom so you don't get any in your coffee, and you pour it. Hmm. A French press. Is that the fanciest thing you have now in your kitchen? Yes, by far. I don't know anyone in my life who has a French press. It's actually, you may be the wealthiest person I know. It was fifteen bucks at Target. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it seems affordable. It's actually like it, you're I'm imagining the one. some giant machine that's no, like three hundred dollars. It's literally a thing like like this big, oh, wow. made out of glass. You're actually the the highfalutin one. What do you mean? This is archaic compared to the way that you make your coffee with your Keurig with the with the one cup. <laughs> right. That's not it's not fancy. Do you get the disposable one cups or do you do like the plastic cup in which you fill with coffee grounds? I should right based on my history of being. Pretty frugal. Now I get, we throw away the cups. Just mm-hmm. one serving. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you put tablespoon, rounded tablespoon of coffee grounds per cup of water that you're going to make. That's it. Let it steep for four minutes. Good to go. What would your advice be on the the uh, the one serving cup if they're expired? Like, how does, how does coffee really expire? Because, you know, I'm very big into using expired foods. I think it has something to do with co- uh, caffeine content, too. I don't think it has as much caffeine. It loses it along the way? Yeah. All right. Don't quote me on that. I never got my coffee master. Just, just so you know, when I bring expired items into the house, I don't always inform the SO. So I actually was, I found an auction that had, a, like, it was, like, super juiced up, whatever, like, extra caffeinated. I, I bought, like, a, a pack of 30 of them. Dude. She loves them. You, uh, when it's down to the final two, I'm going to tell her, I'm like, uh, those were expired. Did anything happen to you? No. So we're good. I got to introduce you to my stepdad. He yeah. comes over. He comes over all the time, and he's like, "I brought you some snacks." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. What's this? <laughs> this popcorn expired five years ago. It's fine. Cool. Appreciate it. Oh, look at these. Look at these pre-made deli rolls. That's awesome. It expired two months ago. Thank you." Like he just hoards stuff in the freezer and and in the kitchen and in his pantry, and he's just like he thinks and like you're not going to read it. No, well, not even that. I think he like <laughs> he understands. Like he's doing a good deed, which I like. I understand and I right. accept. Right. But at the same time, like he keeps stuff for so long, I don't yeah. think he understands that it expires. Man. Like he gave us expired popcorn, like prepackaged popcorn. How and he tried that? to make it. It yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Gets a little stale. Right. I found I was cleaning out uh, one pantry. I found juice from 2017. In your pantry? Yes. Just unrefrigerated juice? <laughs> Just a giant thing of, like, cranberry juice. Apparently, there was going to be a big drink fest with some cranberry drinks, and never happened. I, I mean... So I took a swig. I tried... No, I didn't. I, I, that, that I threw out right away. I always go with, like, expiration dates are more of a, a guide as opposed to, like, a hard line. I agree. So, like, there was one time in my youth that I discovered uh, uh, marinara-filled cheese sticks. 
like Ooh, wow. in our fridge. Let's roll the dice. And I was like, this this looks great. I'm going to try one of these. And I had like two of them. They've okay. been expired for like three months. Okay. Nothing happened to me. And I got to experience something great. And now I buy those every once in a while. Fantastic. How'd your Mother's Day gift go? You sent me the spread. Oh, yeah. That was unreal. It was Tell good. the audience. It was very considerate. So so, uh, so my wife likes, you know, she likes Japanese stuff. You know what I mean? Snacks and whatnot. So I got her a whole bunch of, like, different snacks and candies, like Japanese candy stuff. So it was like. You ordered online or did you yeah, go online, out? online. I thought, isn't there a big uh, Japanese, like, I'll call it, this is kind of an old, you know, old school name, Five and Dime that moved into town that was like a gigantic deal? What? Is that like that old diner know. that used to be like? No, no, 50s? no. Like a, like a, do you remember there was a chain Woolworth? Remember Woolworths now? No. No? Okay. Well, Woolworths. For the, uh, for the audience that's older, they, they, they know what I'm saying. No, I don't know. But I got it online. Okay. And the, the highlight <laughs> was the squid uh, the squid flavored, grilled squid flavored Lay's. Wow. Which were disgusting. Really? Yeah. I didn't really like it. And like, and actually I like squid and I like those sort of things. I just, it, it, it didn't taste like squid. That was a weird thing. It just had a very funky taste and smell. It was not very good. Green tea Oreos were solid. The pizza flavored chips were solid. A little, I think they're called Pockies. They're like sticks that are covered in yogurt. Really good. But the drinks I got her, they're all, she's a big, going back to the anime thing, big Sailor Moon fan. So they're all, no idea. Uh, they're all Sailor Moon. Like each can is a Sailor Scout. Um, These are so, collectibles or are you actually, well, they're, you supposed be, they're supposed to be like consumed. But since, you know, they're a rare commodity in the Bontable household, they are now decorations. They're not there. Yeah. <laughs> Our decorations are a rare commodity. I, I voted. I voted that you drink. Like I was like, drink them, and you can keep the cans. Like that'll be no, can't do that. Wait, I thought you said you just did that. No, no, we tried all the snacks. We didn't drink them. Like the cans are still full. The oh, other he's... snacks have been tried. Okay. Yeah. So success. Yeah, success. I also got a custom like, like, illustrated book with like pictures of like me and the kids and everything like that. This is how you know you've made her cry. Whoa! Bam. What a Mother's Day. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Obviously, you know, the, the toughness word has, has come out a lot, I guess, over the last 24 hours. I haven't read a lot about it, but I've heard that. And so clearly that's one of them. But uh, we got to get a lot of things, more talent. We got to get the right fits. Um, but we'll do that. And I believe that. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Voice of Doc Rivers. Uh, right now we got Milwaukee and Boston. Elimination spot here for the Celtics. Very early. 6-2 Celtics up. About 90 seconds in. John Montobel, Cofield. Stop the count. We're good. Take this final. Let's go back to game. Stop seven. the count. Every game where you're leading, stop the yeah, count. Stop. So Doc said a couple of interesting things there. If you didn't see it last night, Sixers out of the playoffs. Um, talked about adding more talent. Okay. Well, I, I think that's to be uh, interrupt real quick. I think that is fair. They did ship off quite a bit for James Harden. Their roster was yeah. somewhat good, and so I think you think you need a couple more bodies. Okay. What about some of the other stuff? Well, he said. Um, Howard Eskin was there as a longtime sports radio guy, media legend, and was pressing Doc. And I don't know that Doc came off real great here. I don't worry about my job, Howard. I think I do a, a terrific job, and if you don't, then you should write it. 
because I worked my butt off to get this team here. When I first got here, no one picked us to be anywhere. Uh, and again this year, the same thing. Wait a second. What is going on here? <laughs> no one picked us to do anything. Have In recent years, have the Sixers been like the eighth choice in the Eastern Conference? What is he talking about? I don't know. This is what Doc does, though. He, re- he rewrites history. Us against the world. No, 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 no but it's not. It's not us against the world. It's me against the world. Right. Look at the dreck that Doc Rivers had to deal with. He had Joel Embiid. Are you serious? <laughs> Nobody expected anything out of us, and yet here I am, two games away potentially from the Eastern Conference Finals. You know what I have to deal with? He did it with the Orlando Magic team. Remember a couple of weeks ago? Go back and look at that roster. Those guys sucked. Yeah. And we were up 3-1 on the Pistons back in they the They were day. talking about his record in the playoffs and elimination games, which is all-time worst. And so he went back and basically said <laughs> a, lot of those, a lot of those spots, the teams weren't, just weren't that good. Right. Or they were all injured, which he is factually correct on. Some of his teams did get very injured trying oh, to close out series. Sure. But this is what Doc Rivers does. It's not. There's not a lot of time. And I get it to like. It sucks. People are always at your throat and all that kind of stuff. But he gets defensive and he tries to rewrite history. And the, to say that is ridiculous. The results face business. And that's it is. But you don't do it every year. Uh, every time you're wrong, should you lose your job? No. So uh, it's the same thing. Stop it. He just asked a sports radio guy, every time you're wrong, do you get fired? Is coaching an NBA team a little different than what we do on Sports Talk Radio? A little bit. Also, he's not asking, like, after one loss for Doc to get fired. My Lord. In fact, we are not paid to be right. We are paid to have an opinion. We're wrong all the time. I'm never wrong. Yes, you are. All the time. Doc, you're paid to win. We're not paid to win predictions or takes. Come on, bro. Give me that whole cut. The results face business. It is, but you don't do it every year. Uh, Every time you're wrong, should you lose your job? No. So uh, it's the same thing, all right? But listen, if you believe that, then go with it. I know how I know what I did this year, and I feel very good about that. But again, if you believe that, Howard, then you just run with it. Should he feel good about what he did this year, especially when, and listen, it's hindsight. But it is always interesting when you see a team in a comfortable position in a game and one of their star players is out there. You're like, why is he still on the floor? Oh, yeah. And do you look back on the NBA injury and you're like, what happened here? When he gets an elbow to the face in a game in which they're up by 23 in Mm -hmm. the last three minutes of a game? Yeah. I saw I saw some stat. It was like, how big was the lead? I think they were up by twenty three. Okay. I think Embiid just scored a bucket and they were up by twenty three. So let's say it. it's like it was like playoff history up by twenty or more with three minutes left. The teams were like, I don't even know if it could be right. It was like literally like four thousand and zero. The situation, like no one had ever blown a lead that big. <laughs> and it is part of coaching. Get your stars off the floor. Yep, Bruh. What are you doing? I just I don't even think and it's already come out like they had their actual interviews today. Daryl Morey said today that he would be back, Doc Rivers, unless he chooses to leave. I mean that's part of it. I mean, do you but, think the Lakers will sniff around him? The Lakers. Are Your good. reaction says don't. I mean, not even that. It's just the, the Lakers. They can sniff around whatever they want. Who cares about the Lakers? 
If Doc, <laughs> if Doc Rivers was smart, he would want. I think he would want to stay with Philly. I think the the path there for him is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think that the talent is better. It's an unknown with LA how they're going to build that roster and reshape it. And is he going to become one of the ten cooks in the kitchen with Genie Bus and as you call them the Rambi and Magic Johnson and others, or is he going to stick around where he's just got to deal with an eccentric dude and Daryl Morey? who's probably going to do a pretty good job of putting a roster together. I would probably stick with Philly. I just think when it comes to Doc, it's a reluctance to make adjustments in game at times. It's this whole thing of getting snippy and rewriting this whole deal. It's never his fault. It just kind of wears thin. It kind of gets annoying. Except the fact that you're a guy who's blown multiple 3-1 leads and your crowning achievement was a Celtics team that was led by Tom Thibodeau's defense. If you were running the Sixers, would you get rid of them? Well, ringing endorsement with a long pause. Well, I just, I'm just trying to think. Because, again, it's the same thing all the time we talk about. What's next? Like, what's greener? It's not always a guarantee that there's something greener. If you're telling me that I can get, like, Quinn Snyder, who wants to leave Utah, it sounds like, then, yes, I would get rid of him. Coming up, more about the NFL schedule release. And I think the league really blew it with the AFC West and the primetime games and Las Vegas really not being involved, the city itself. In most of these primetime games, just the NFL botched it, man, badly.